This is 69 The Podcast. I'm Dave Haynes. 69 has been covering the digital signage industry since the dawn of man, first online and now as a podcast. The goal on here is to make listeners aware of interesting companies, smart people, and new technology developments, all of them meaningful in making digital signage projects happen. I try to help listeners understand sometimes complicated subjects and why they should care. The podcasts are free and I try to get a new one out weekly, but things happen now and then. The 69 Podcast has been gratefully sponsored and supported since the start by Jeremy Gavin and the fine folks at ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. ScreenFeed makes beautiful-looking, totally automated content for signage and digital out-of-home networks. Check them out at ScreenFeed.com. 69 has been around since 2006, and the publication and podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which provides customer engagement solutions for business. You can find them at Spectrio.com. Ted Romanowitz has been around the commercial display and tech sectors for a whole bunch of years. And for the last two or so, he's been an industry analyst for the research firm FutureSource Consulting. FutureSource is in the UK, but Ted works out of the Portland, Oregon area, spending his time looking at professional display technologies that range from projectors to mini and micro LED video wall products. He was at CES and he'll be at ISC this week, meeting with manufacturers and walking the halls, seeing what's new and interesting. We had a good chat about where the different display technologies are at and how Mini-LED is seeing a lot of traction for fine-pitch LED displays. We talk projection and LCDs and we spend quite a bit of time discussing the state and vast potential for Micro-LED. One thing I particularly liked was his qualifier about true Micro-LED, as all kinds of manufacturers market their premium products as Micro-LED when they're really just Mini-LED. Ted, thank you for joining me. Can you explain what you do for Future Source and what Future Source is all about? Oh, I'd love to do that. Um, I'm a principal analyst at uh, Future Source Consulting and our business to business practice. I lead the entire professional um, displays um, segment. So we cover everything projection, LCD panels, tiled LCD, interactive displays, as well as my forte. Um, as you may know, is uh, LED with my um, industry, you know, more than 10 years experience in LED with uh, Planar Layard and Christie Digital. Um, yeah, it's uh, wonderful. There's a lot going on in pro displays right now. So what would you be doing primarily? Are you producing research reports? Are you talking to companies? You know, what, what, what's your day to day? Right. And so we do a couple, you know, three really big um things. One, we do quarterly trackers for all these technologies. So you can look at, you know, uh, by company, by specification, by country. You can look at data um, comparatively by brand. Um, We also do annual reports. We've just published a video wall report as well as a strategic market outlook. Um, We've got a big digital signage report coming um, in the springtime. We're looking forward to publishing that, um, as well as a refresh of our true micro-LED report uh, coming um, in the first half of the year. So we do a lot of, um, you know, uh, uh, annual reports. And then the third bit is um, sort of custom research. So if there's any companies out there that have a specific business need for information, um, they can reach out to me and we'd love to talk to them about, you know, a one-off type of uh, project to get the you know the um, analytics that they need to make a informed business decision. How hard is it to get the data from all the different display manufacturers to you know talk about their sales and 
the, the, their market size? It is definitely a challenge. And, uh, you know, I think, especially during the COVID, you know, timeframe to keep relationships mm-hmm. established has been um, challenging. We just came back from a, a major trip to Asia Pacific in November. So we were literally the first company um, meeting these large pro-AV vendors in Korea, Taiwan, and Japan. We spent two weeks over there um, face-to-face. And you just can't say enough about um, you know, building face-to-face relationships and having those conversations. And you know, that's why we're so much looking forward to ISE this year, getting everybody back together. So when you say you're the first company, what what do you mean by that? Well, a lot of these vendors um, haven't had uh, research companies or other people come and visit them face-to-face. So they were Uh really glad, um, almost ecstatic, to have us uh, sort of show up for uh, at their doorstep for a meeting. It was was wonderful to rebuild a lot of relationships. It's, you you know, it's so much uh, different to do it face-to-face. It's more meaningful as as opposed to at a, at a table in a trade show booth. Oh, that's you know, that's also face to face. So I think those are uh, that's good as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard to get good data. You know, setting yourself aside, and uh, there's one or two other companies that are kind of focused on this. But there's this this avalanche or steady torrent of crap coming out of research factories from India. Do you, do you have to fight against that? Well, you know, I think um, what Future Source is really good at is having these long-term relationships. You know, we've been doing this for, you know, two decades. We have the relationships with the brands. We're getting data, hard data. We're having not only the qualitative conversations, but or the quantitative decision uh, discussions, but we're having qualitative of, you know, trends impacting the industry, what's coming next and those the sort mm-hmm. of things. So it's a much more robust, uh, you know, kind of practice that we do. And that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, why people are, are, you know, coming to us wanting our research. Right. And, and part of your routine as well is going to the big trade shows. So I believe you're just at CES and, and you're planning to go to ISE as well. Absolutely. Um, it was my 14th trip to CES in my career. And, you oh, know, God bless you. <laughs> it's, it's like a little bit of a family reunion for me, actually. But, uh, you, know, you know, it was amazing to see the energy and people actually queuing up to be able to get into some of the booths there, the larger booths, because they were sort of mm-hmm. controlling the traffic to make sure you know, for COVID and everything. Um, but the energy was there, a lot of great um, new technologies. Um, it was quite exciting. And, um, you know, I kind of as a little preview, I know we're going to talk about uh, micro-led at some point, but, you know, I was mm-hmm. able to see the industry's first, you know, true micro-led displays. So that was worth the trip, just that one thing. Yeah, I get asked every year, am I going to CES? And and I say, I've done it. Don't want to do it again. Too many people, lineups for everything. But the, the, the biggest thing is it's, you know, it's consumer electronics and it's it's kind of pushing away to some degree, it seems at least, from displays into gadgets and cars and everything else. So I'm curious if, 
you know, you said that one thing alone was worth the trip, but uh, for somebody who's uh, maybe not as well-versed as you, is it worth going to CES if you're in the digital signage industry? And, and there were um, digital sign, signs everywhere, even in mm-hmm. some, some of the smaller halls like North and West. There were LED signs in almost every single booth promoting different technologies and, and companies' brands. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I was also amazed at some of the big consumer brands we're starting to bring in LED technology in particular and showing, um, you know, the consumer applications of that. And it's still, Mm -hmm. you know, um, not going to be sold through a CDA channel. It's going to be sold through pro AV consultants. So it's, it's our heart and soul um, still for some years before it becomes sort of, you know, um, priced for the mass markets, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, do you get cues from CES about you know, this product that comes out for TVs, uh, you know, whether it be OLED or QLED, whatever, whatever the case may be? Are, are those cues to what's going to happen on the pro side or does it, or does it not necessarily track that way? It, there's not one way or the other, but um, I definitely think, you know, specifically to LED, technology, you know, we're, that is a primarily a pro AV thing and it will, it is starting to creep into CES. And that's exactly why I was at the show. Um, you know, I went to the, um, Venetian had three floors of smaller companies and it's amazing how much of our ecosystem is starting to show up there. Um, different companies um, looking for ODM and OEM arrangements were in the Venetian, you know, showing um, prototypes and whatnot of not only LED, but, um, you know, also um, sort of uh, see-through LED and um, transparent OLED. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was curious about one of the announcements at CES where, uh, LG unveiled a OLED TV that was wirelessly powered. Now there was a, a box that you still had to plug in, but it was between the box and the display panel itself. There was no wire. It was being transmitted by IR or something or other. I forget. It, it, is, is that something that you see as coming or, or is it just kind of a an outlier that nobody would actually use? Yeah. And... Um... LG had a, a wireless display, OLED display, but my understanding is, is that it was wireless connectivity on the data side and not necessarily mm-hmm. on the power side. But that's certainly something I think it'll be interesting to sh- see if that shows up at ISE um, and definitely mm-hmm. a trend that we should all watch, um, you know, especially in historic buildings. Um, you know, across, uh, you know, sort of um, the East Coast of America, plus, you know, Europe, where you have a historical building and you don't, you know, well, I want to hang a, a, a display in this space, but I don't have power to it. And you don't want yeah. a god awful power cord and, you know, video signal cord running down the, you know, the beautiful brickwork or whatnot, right? It, 
there there could be some real applications for it. Yeah, I I, I know a company in Israel. I did a podcast with them that uh, they they have now have wireless uh, power technology, and they well, I believe them. They they insist it's safe and everything else, and you don't get fried if you walk in front of it <laughs> or anything. Interesting. Yes, I'm not aware of that. I'll have to get the information from you so we can we can have a good look. So what display segments are growing right now? Well, you know, overall, pro display is growing over the next five years at about an 8% compound annual growth rate, which is healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's really being driven primarily by direct view LED, which is, you know, over 20% year over year growth. Yeah. Um, so that's really where the growth is, uh, you know, L- LCD is still, you know, it's almost, it's basically flat growth over the next five years. It's very, very slow growth, but yet by 2026, it's still 50% of the pro displays marketplace. And we won't see that shift between LED and LCD until we have some of these advanced technologies like mini LED as defined by flip chip COB, which I think we're going to see some really interesting demos at ISE on this technology. Finally, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just has, there's been technical and manufacturing issues that have hel- held it back from mass production. So I think 23 will be the year I'm hoping. Um, that's what we're predicting is that 23 will be the year where companies will come into mass production um, and, and resolve these manufacturing and technical issues. So that's mm-hmm. where you get, you know, pi- pixel pitches under, you know, 0. 0.7, 0. 0.6, perhaps even 0. 0.5 with uh, flip chip COB that will start to challenge LCD panels, which are, you know, really, you know, in that close up viewing experience, really um, mm-hmm. predominant. Yeah, I remember a, a, a Layard. Uh, I think Layard's CTO or yeah, some kind of title like that. He was saying once you get to about 0.7, you're you're very close to the pixel pitch that you would have on an LCD screen. That is correct. It's I, it's around 0.5 millimeter pixel pitch okay. on an LCD screen, roughly. Um, so yeah, I mean LED is getting there, and then the really last bit is you know once you have that close up viewing experience so you can put it into let's say uh, small to medium ro- um, sized meeting rooms as well as digital signage where you know um, eye level close up um, you know wayfinding informational displays those kinds of things it gets really interesting for LED but the mm-hmm. price differential right now is still fairly substantial um yeah, what is it now? Yeah, well, you know, but there's there's I, a lot. I understand there's a whole bunch of variables, but <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a loaded question. I wish I could just say, oh well, it's X percent. It it depends. I hate that answer, but it's the truth. Um, right. But you know, we're seeing as these advanced technologies in LED come on, you know, in mass volume where you get economies of scale, you're going to see that differential shrink. So that's first with this flip chip COB, mini LED, right? And that gets you to around, you know, 0.5, 0.6 millimeter, certainly 0.7. 
So you're, you're on the verge of competing with LCD panels. And then with what we're calling true micro LED technology, um, mm -hmm. that is sub 100 micron chiplets mass transferred onto a TFT backplane with an active driver technology. So that mm -hmm. is what one of the brands was showing at CES, Samsung. They had from 55 inch to about 140 inch displays. Um, th they weren't able to give me pricing on that um, officially, but we know they've estimated it last year at about $150,000 for a, you know, a, a 4K display uh, over right. 100 inches. And, you know, that's probably not going to go into your house or mine, although we aspire to that. But over, yes. over the years, as they come into, you know, mass production in the next five to seven years, it's going to drop from 150,000 down to around 4,000 is what we're estimating in volume mm -hmm. production. You know, once you get under, let's say, 40,000 or 30,000, it'll start showing up in the CDA channels. So it'll start, you know, shifting from pro AV consultants to the CDA channel, but they'll need lots of help to figure out how to do it. And then once it gets into the four to $5,000 range, it's a definitely more of a broad consumer electronics, you know, not, you know, still very expensive for, for you and I, but you know, a lot of people will really want to jump on this technology. It looks really, really beautiful. Um, yeah, the the stuff that uh, Samsung was showing at CES was that when you tr phrase it at or frame it as true micro LED, uh, w was the Samsung stuff the I, I, w was that part of the wall series, and they're now doing genuine micro LED with that. They had the wall separately. This is okay. consumer. That's a great question, by the way, to clarify. This, these were consumer television sets that okay. are true micro LED, but they're, you know, they hadn't yet ready yet to do an announcement in the pro AV space. But mm -hmm. one could reasonably assume, you know, that that might be coming. That you know that they'll offer you know this this true micro LED display and whether they brand it the wall or however else they're going to do it that's you know up up in the air but uh it looks fantastic um you know it it'll start to impede on uh you know lcd panels and in a, a significant way and then shift the industry towards that to to where right now um led is already in video walls the predominant technology. It, it has the highest mm -hmm. value. Within five years, it'll be three times the value of tiled LCD. So it just, mm -hmm. you know, LED is taking over video wall. You know, we see in the broader pro AV space, you know, not in the next five years, but certainly within the next 10 years, LED will be the number one display technology. For over a decade, ScreenFeed has been the reliable choice for beautifully designed, licensed content such as news and weather. We handle over 27 million requests a day to deliver dynamic content to 200,000 screens across the globe. Now we bring you ScreenFeed Connect, a no-code solution that makes complex content projects easy. 
Projects that used to take our designers and developers weeks became a to-do we could complete before lunch. The easy-to-use browser-based tool leverages pre-built data connections and ready-made widgets to give you the power to design with data. Create team member profiles, schedules, tenant directories, progress boards, featured products, or anything that leverages your data. Discover how Connect empowers you to complete projects faster at screenfeed.com. I think there's always going to be a demand for LCD for kind of meat and potatoes, digital signage, like menu boards and ticketing information, all, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you, you get into any kind of specialty application or something where shape uh, needs to be flexible, uh, they're going to go to mini or micro LED once the price is there. Yep, yep. And, you know, it eventually will also challenge micro LED, true micro LED will challenge LCD panels in that more, you know, kind of slangy, I guess what you would call hang and bang, for lack of a better so way of putting it. So even on the commodity it. stuff. If, yes, eventually. Now, it'll. I, I believe that it'll bring the LCD prices down. There'll always be a place for LCD technology. LED will start to take over. You know, where, where image quality, where impact is really important, and there's just a smaller um, uplift in pricing for that better experience where people you know, uh, end customers want that big impact, it's going to be LED. Mm-hmm. Is, I was at Touch Taiwan about four years ago, pre-COVID, and I was left, or I left that trade show with a distinct impression from manufacturers that they saw mini LED as kind of an interim technology, and it was mostly going to be used for LCD backlighting like, uh, you know, addressable zones and so on, or local dimming, that all that stuff. But it seems like mini LED is, is getting a lot of take up as a direct view LED product as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, LG has their, uh, a version of their consumer uh, LED product showcased at CES. You know, it was a quite, I think it was about 150 inch, display and, um, you know, had some really good, I think it was 1.2 millimeter, um, beautiful image quality, um, you know, but it's uh, $300,000. It's still, you know, for the consumer (laughs) market, very, very expensive um, for them to get into. But, you know, then again, I I personally, as, as a product manager for LED, I've worked in multiple companies that we have done high-end homes with LED and, you know, putting up a $750,000 wall in a Bel Air home wasn't a problem. They have the budget. <laughs> so now that's again, not my house um, as much as I would like yeah. that. So. Yeah. As much as I'd like to uh, be a midfielder for Manchester United, I'm too small and way too old. So <laughs> I don't think I, I'm going to have that kind of salary. I, I think you and me both, but we can we can still hope, can't we? It's not too late. Yeah. Um, oh, I think it is, but for me at least. <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, another, you know, I think another important thing is, you know, with projection, you know, you're kind of talking about how, where the pro EV industry is going and all of that. You know, projection, um, both front and rear, are in, you know, relatively steep decline. Um you know, and some people would say, oh my gosh, that's super scary. There's so many projection companies out there. Um, 
you know, and we see so many demos at ISE. At CES, there are a lot of consumer projection companies displaying product. But, you know, even though projection is in decline, more, you know, double digit decline over the next uh, five years, it at the end, it's still a four to five billion dollar market. It's massive. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like projections going to go away. It's just getting a little bit smaller. So I think there's right. some, some hope there. Um, and, you know, we're seeing, you know, high brightness being a big thing um, over the last year. Already we've heard whispers from several of the projection brands that they're going to be unveiling new high brightness uh, projectors. Um, a lot of demos on projection mapping, blending, warping, um, those sorts of things to support immersive, really engaging, um, interactive displays. Yeah, I mean, in the, in the right physical environment and lighting conditions and everything else, projection is awesome because it's got that ability to kind of surprise you, uh, that it just kind of shows up and, and, and forms around things in a way you can't do with more conventional displays. Exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, if you need to, you know, if you need to have a large exhibit, uh, a large display of, of information or whatnot, it's, there's no more cost-effective way to do that, of, you know, show a big image, let's say in a theater or something, than projection, right? Mm-hmm. L- LED is just far too expensive to do that. Although some brands in customer-facing theaters, some very large technology brands, are putting in LED displays to impact their ecosystem, their co- end customers in a very impactful way. But still, projection um, is wonderful. It has legs to continue for decades. Um, but, you know, LED is the up-and-coming thing. And why is projection uh, getting better? Like, they're, they're able to do brighter. Is it because of laser or... Are there other factors? Yeah, it's the laser technology that they're implementing. You know, I think smaller form factors, quieter, um, as well as, you know, the prices are coming down as well. Those are all factors that are, you know, going to give it, you know, sea legs for quite some time. And, Mm. um, you know, one one other thing, too, I think um, there's so many immersive exhibits that are happening now, right? We're you know, mm-hmm. you know, in Portland, Oregon, we get one every you know month or two, uh, where they're using projection and/or a blend of projection and LED to provide a really amazing, you know, kind of sensory exhibit. And you know, when when our team was in uh, Japan, um, we went and saw the Team Labs exhibit there, and you know, it was wonderful that you actually roll, you know, um, take your shoes off put them in a locker, you you roll up your pant legs and you're about knee deep in warm water and their projection, oh, really? yeah, it was really cool. They projection map koi onto the water that you're walking through and the fish react to you. So you can kind of, you know, reach out or, you know, as you approach one of the fish, it'll kind of like look over at you and then kind of scurry off as, as if it was a real fish. It was, it's... It, just an amazing experience to, to go do that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious as well about OLED and uh, light field displays. And I, I 
recognize that light field displays are still probably a few years off. But are, are you seeing advances in that? And yeah, that's one of the things that we're going to be doing some uh, further research on at ISE. It'll be interesting to see how that trend emerges. And, you, you know, um, o- OLED is really interesting. You know, the transparent side, uh, a lot of companies have been, you know, working on that, um, you know, to, to help with merchandising or promoting products, putting them in a, an OLED box and, and putting marketing messages around the product. Um, even mm-hmm. while you're able to reach in and and touch the product, I I think you know th- those are some super creative things, you know. But uh, you know, at the L- LG booth at CES and a couple of others, um, you know, they're they're showing transparent um, OLED and tra- transparent LED applications where you can get uh, you know a ten foot high glass wall and cover it with an image. It's beautiful. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how corporations and other organizations invest in that, um, what the adoption rate will be. And that's definitely an area where we're going to be researching further. Yeah, the LED on film and LED embedded in glass, uh, particularly when, when micro LED matures, that, that seems exciting as hell in terms of the, the amount of brightness you can get and the fact that you can just make it part of, make it a building material. Exactly. Yes. And, you know, you look at all these big cities. Well, I mean, if, I don't know, um, you know, when you were in China last, but, you know, you go to Hong Kong and, you know, you're sitting on the Kowloon side at night and they choreographer, um, do some choreography with music and a light show of all the major tall, Mm -hmm. you know, um, office buildings you know, across, you know, on central, it's just amazing. And, you know, um, Shenzhen, Shanghai, a lot of these, you know, um, cities in China are doing these, these light shows and lighting up all the buildings. And you're, you know, in America, we're starting to see that as well. Obviously Las Vegas is a great example, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it'll be interesting to see how that evolves, not only in America, but, you know, in Europe, um, with all of the historical buildings, um, you know, what the regulations will be and, you know, how they'll allow technology you know, to be used architecturally and artistically on some of these historic buildings, or if we'll just keep doing, um, you know, projection onto them. Mm-hmm. Which you can do without uh, affecting the building, which I'm sure makes the uh, people who protect buildings happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, you're going to ISE, I assume. Uh, if For somebody who's going and they're particularly interested in seeing what's new and what's emerging and what's important to know in the display side of things, what would you recommend? What, which, what, what should they be looking for? I definitely think, you know, kind of the big trends will be um, flip chip COB, you know, mini LED. I don't know if a true micro LED display will be shown, but there's certainly not from one of the big brands. I would expect some of the smaller, uh, not smaller, but some of the um, manufacturers like um, BOE or Soul Semi might be showing some things in their booth. Um, 
So mm -hmm. that's one thing to look for. You know, I think projection is going to be sexy. People are going to be doing projection mapping and blending and warping and, and all of that. Um, you know, 8K displays, I think you'll see more and more of those out there. Um, yeah, those, those are some of the big things. Uh, you know, there's the, the digital signage um, section as well. We're going to be spending a lot of time out, out there. We're, as I mentioned, doing a digital signage report in the next few months. Um, you know, so we'll um, be looking at that as well. So would that be a display report or software? It'll or be both? both. It'll be the whole oh, ecosystem. Okay. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it, which is great because it's so hard to get any research on, uh, the credible research on the software side of this business. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, It'll be hardware, and not only just the displays itself, but the media servers, players, you know, the the content okay. in the cloud. I mean, all of the above. It's going to be a really exciting report. We're very much looking forward to that one. Good. All right. Well, Ted, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, and I look forward to seeing you in Barcelona. Absolutely. Tapas. <laughs> exactly. We'll see you there. That's it for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned a thing or two. If you're new to 169, it's a podcast that's been around since 2016. You can click around the archive and find hundreds of conversations with smart industry people. If you're new to digital signage, you need to be reading 169 at 16-9.net. You'll find more than 8,000 posts by me and expert guest writers about this industry. 169 is not a press release republishing mill like a lot of the stuff out there. If something makes it on 169, that means it matters in some way to the business. Everything about 169 is free. Great sponsors make my work possible, and the key one here is ScreenFeed, the digital signage content store. Check out all the curated and automated content available at ScreenFeed.com. 16.9, the blog, and the podcast are now owned by Spectrio, which does customer engagement solutions, most of that digital signage, for all kinds of businesses. You'll find them in the Tampa area and online at Spectrio. That's Spectrio.com. You'll find me working out of a sunny back room in my house, located outside Halifax, Nova Scotia, on the east coast of Canada. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Haynes.